0: Are you interested in a top law school located in a beautiful city at a historic university? Well, UVA Law, founded in 1819 by Thomas Jefferson, may be just the one for you, but it has only a 9.7% acceptance rate. Our guest today, it's Admissions Dean, will tell you what the Admissions Committee
1: at UVA Law is looking for. Welcome to Admissions Straight Talk the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in! Confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams.
0: Thanks for joining me for this, the 468th episode of Admissions Straight Talk. Are you applying to law school? Are you planning ahead to apply next cycle or the year later, a year after? Are you competitive at your target programs? Acceptance Law School Admissions Quiz can give you a quick reality check. Just go to accepted.com slash law dash quiz, complete the quiz, and you'll not only get an assessment, but tips on how to improve your chances of acceptance. Plus, it's all free. Again, take this short quiz at exhibit.com slash law dash quiz to obtain your free assessment. Now for today's interview. I'm delighted to have on Mission Straight Talk, Natalie R. Blazer. Dean Blazer is not only the Assistant Dean for Admissions and the Chief Admissions Officer at UVA Law, she's also an alumna. She earned her bachelor's at Boston College and then attended UVA Law. Following law school, she clerked at The Hague worked in a Manhattan law firm for six years, and then worked in law school admissions at Columbia Law and Georgetown Law before returning to UVA as assistant dean for admissions. Dean Blazer, welcome to Admissions Straight
1: Talk. Thank you, Linda. It's great to be here.
0: Thank you. Can you give us an overview of the more distinctive elements of the UVA law school JD program?
1: Sure. So most people probably know UVA Law is a top 10 law school. It's also actually the number one public law school located here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Number one public law school in the country. Something that we are very proud of. I think you can get a great law school education at, at, at any top law school, really. Um, but what probably sets UVA apart the most is the experience that you have here. We are consistently ranked number one quality of life number one classroom experience, and number one in faculty. And I think all of that goes to our community and our culture. I think law school has a reputation of being extremely cutthroat and competitive, especially when you get to the higher higher level of law schools. Um, but that's just, it's not the case at UBA. And I think when I think about what truly sets us apart, it is that experience that you have here. It's the colleagues that you have, the supportive nature of the community, the faculty accessibility and, and outreach that you have, supportive you know administration. now now seeing it from the administrative side versus the student side, I do see how much hard work and and effort goes into making sure students have an amazing experience here. You know, so obviously, our career outcomes go without saying that the actual academics, that all goes without saying, But when I think about what really distinguishes UVA from some of our peer schools, it it is the atmosphere here. It's that community culture.
0: Okay, great answer. Yes, I I remember um, I have an MBA. And when there were some joint JD-MBA students in our class, they said that the, the culture was completely different. Between the business school, because the, the business school was known for a collaborative environment, and the law school was at that point in time was not. And I'm not going to say anything more about right. going to that a little <laughs> further, but it definitely was not. Okay, so last year, which would be the 2020 21 application cycle, saw an unbelievable surge in law school applications. On March 28th of this year, it's now April 1, I checked on LSAC. And overall applicant volume was down roughly 11.5 percent from last year, but up 6.6 percent from two years ago. What is UVA experiencing in terms of application volume?
1: Pretty much exactly what you just said, um, and 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 I know that our peer schools are sort of in the same boat. Usually, national application trends, you know, are exactly what we're experiencing at UVA. So if you were to just take out the 2021 cycle. We would be on a steady uptick, applications going up, up, up for the last several years. Last cycle was certainly an outlier. So while technically, yes, applications are down this year, really they're up um, in terms of what we can come to expect. So we're still up, as you said, you know, somewhere, you know, depending on the day, somewhere between five and 8% over two years ago.
0: Got it. Got it. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Last year was certainly an unusual year in many many (laughs) respects. Okay. Let's turn to the application, something that applicants can still influence if not control. Now, UVA accepts the LSAT, the GRE, or the GMAT, but requires applicants to submit all scores for the GRE and GMAT. First of all, do you have any preference for one test over the other?
1: We really don't have a preference. We are still getting used to the GRE and GMAT, frankly. The LSAT has just been historically the law school admissions test right mm-hmm. there in the acronym. So that's what I'm most familiar with. However, it's been about, you know, three four years now that schools have, have accepted the GRE and GMAT. So we are getting more used to it. It's still a rather small minority of applicants. Roughly who, how many? I would say who only have a GRE or a GMAT, I would say 10% of applicants. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is a lot of people apply and they have an LSAT and a GRE or an LSAT and a GMAT. And what I just want people to be aware of is because the Law School Admissions Council is the organizing body that, you know, puts your applications together and sends them along to law schools, because they administer the LSAT, If you have any LSAT on record, we will see it. You can't just pick and choose what to send to us. But if you don't want to send us your GRE or GMAT and you already have an LSAT on file, we don't need to see that. And we frankly won't know that you've taken it. If you are someone who has no LSAT, obviously then we do need the GRE or the GMAT, but we really don't have a preference. They've been shown to roughly predict, or I should say correlate to the first year performance, roughly the same. So Mm -hmm. you know what? And those are, you know, I would say, I don't know if anything official has come out about that, but based right. on my experience and the studies that I have seen, they roughly uh, correlate the same. We don't perform any sort of equivalency. You know, there are a lot of tools online. So people tell me, oh, I got this on the Jerry, which equals this on the LSAT. It really doesn't work that way. We really aren't getting in the weeds like that. What I would tell I would counsel a prospective applicant, look at what our median LSAT is, look at what percentile that is, and aim for roughly those same percentiles on the GRE or the GMAT. It's not, it doesn't need to be completely comparable, but that's just, you know, to have a ballpark in your mind.
0: Right. That makes sense. Are most of the users of the GRE or GMAT dual degree applicants?
1: So not necessarily. I do think that's a nice option if you're if you know, if, you're, if your other degree requires a GRE or GMAT, just take one test. But I think a lot of people, I think there's still a little bit of barrier to entry with the LSAT or, or intimidation. You know, just as a way of background, the reason law schools started accepting the GRE and GMAT is really to widen and, and broaden the application pool, the applicant pool, I should say. We, we, you know, we thought it'll get more STEM people. It might get more non-traditional applicants. And that really actually did bear fruit. So I, I do think for whatever reason, some people don't want to take the LSAT and regardless of whether they're pursuing a joint degree or not, for someone who is pursuing a joint degree, GRE or GMAT is a great option.
0: Okay. How, how would you recommend, let's say I'm just starting out. I haven't taken the LSAT. I haven't taken the GMAT. I haven't taken the GRE. I really want to go to UVA. How should I decide which one to take?
1: Yeah. So (laughs) it was almost simpler in in my day when you really only had one option. (laughs) Um, But but what I would say is familiarize yourself a little bit with each of the tests, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I see people who have submitted an LSAT and a GRE or an LSAT and a GMAT or a GRE and a GMAT. And guess what? Nobody is getting 99th percentile on the LSAT. 80th on the Jerry you're right. going to perform roughly the same on across all three tests in terms of percentile. Okay. They are not that different, so I don't think it's going to be a make or break moment. Now, what I will say is you have to do your research because if law school is your goal, not every law school even today in 2022 accepts Jerry or GMAT. So if you're trying to apply to a broad range of schools, LSAT could still today be your safest bet, but if you, if you know for a fact that all of your schools you're applying to accept all three tests, just familiarize yourself with each of the three. Maybe take a practice exam or two. Maybe it's possible that one of them will, will sort of resonate with you more. But again, I, I wouldn't agonize over it. I, I do know the GRE historically was more available, but now that we have the LSAT Flex, The LSAT flex is being offered more. You can take it remotely. So they've really kind of narrowed the gap in that sense.
0: Right. Okay. Well, thank you for all that. That's great. Great advice. I actually, now just one more last thing on the test, then we'll move off of it. The GRE is still in among law schools more widely accepted than the GMAT. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. I think the GRE was kind of the first alternative test to be adopted. And, and now the GMAT is in there as well. I will tell you that of the two alternative tests, we see far fewer GMAT Absolutely. than GRE.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Now UVA has a regular decision option and also it's binding expedited decision option. Can you review those options and the major differences between them?
1: Yes. So our binding expedited decision, we call it BED. This is a slightly different version of a lot of other schools sort of early decision. We don't call it early decision because there's actually no earlier deadline. You can apply binding anytime throughout the cycle. The key word in there is expedited. If you apply through this option, you will get a decision from us within 21 business days of your application going complete. So you submit your application, let's say a day or two later, it gets completed, you have 21 business days, and you will hear a decision, whether that is admit, wait list, defer to the regular pool, which I'll talk about in a second, or a denial. And so for somebody who knows that UVA law is their first choice, who will be 100% prepared to commit to UVA law if admitted, before seeing any financial aid package, because that won't come until much later, I think binding is a great option. it takes the guesswork out of your candidacy for us. We know you're interested. We know you're coming, you know, so binding can be a great option for, for someone like that. If you are deferred from binding into the regular pool, all that means is basically it's as if you never applied binding. It's as if now we're reading you as a regular applicant. So if we were to admit you, you're no longer bound. If you are admitted Through the binding option, you do need to withdraw all their applications from all their law schools, and you have to pay your seat deposit at UVA within about three weeks. So again, it is a great option for somebody who's sure UVA is where they want to be. There's no earlier deadline. You can do it anytime up until, you know, right before our priority deadline.
0: Right, right. And um, does the binding expired decision have a different acceptance rate than the regular decision?
1: You know, I actually crunched these numbers last year because somebody asked me that in in a QA, and A, yeah. and it's actually almost identical. Really. So yeah. the acceptance rate among just the binding expedited applicants is almost the exact same as within you know the regular pool. So I, I get this question a lot because people think it's quote unquote easier to apply binding, and and it's really not. It's this much smaller pool, and and again like. If you're a strong applicant and you're basically telling us right off the bat, you'll come. People don't realize that that's such a huge part of what we do is discerning who's actually interested in us. You know, it's a great option, but it's not necessarily, you know, somebody that we would not otherwise admit is not getting admitted just because they apply binding.
0: Got it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, you you mentioned that the person who applies through the binding expedited decision process will be considered for financial aid, but won't hear about it till the end. So they have to be, I guess, prepared to take out loans or, uh, or pay out of pocket if they're going to apply binding expedited decision. Are there yes. a disadvantage in terms of the financial aid awards having made that commitment?
1: So that's a great question. Yes, they have to commit before they know whether they're getting any financial aid. So that's obviously not an option for everybody, right? Right. The, the, the reality is the vast majority of law students are taking out loans. That's right. kind of the way it works. I myself financed my entire law school education on loans. And, you know, I was prepared to do that. Times have changed a little bit. <laughs> I think people expect to be given, you know, money to, to attend graduate school. What I will say, you are still eligible to get a scholarship if you apply by day. Okay. However... You know, you just sort of have to think about the fact that, I don't want to use the word leverage because we really at UVA do not negotiate scholarships, but, you know, you really have zero leverage at that point because you are committed to UVA. Now, I don't, we we tell people very straight up that we don't match scholarship offers from other schools. What you get is what you get, you know, but if you got something bigger at another school and you applied regular, you have the option to go to a school where you got more money. Right. That's what I sort of mean by leverage. Like you have, you're keeping your options open because you can go somewhere that gave you a scholarship. Mm-hmm. You apply finding, you just, you don't have that option by the you, time you, you won't be, find out. You won't find out. That's right. By the time you're committed, you know, and by the time you understand what your financial aid package is, it's, it's, it's too late. Now, again, you could still get a scholarship, Um, you're just not going to have the option to go take your second choice school if they give you more money because all those applications will have been withdrawn.
0: Right. Got it. That's that's very clear. Thank you again. Mm -hmm. Is is full-time work experience a nice to have at UVA or really important to the admissions committee? Uh, I noticed that the average age is 24, although the, the full age range is 20 to 38. I assume that implies that average of 24 that a significant percentage of students have full-time work experience or other graduate degrees.
1: So it's definitely not necessary. I'll, I'll start okay. by saying that. You are right that these days, about 20% of our incoming class is coming straight through from undergrad. 80% has at least one year of, of work experience or, mm. or you know, spent time in another graduate program. This is really reflective of the applicant pool versus any preference on our part. Back when I went to law school, probably about 50% of the class was coming straight through. That was just a different time. I graduated law school in 2008. So just, just in time for the recession. And I think you know every class since then has gotten a little bit more out of school just because I think it's maybe people viewed it as more competitive and they needed work experience to up their chances. So I have a few thoughts on this. First of all, it's not necessary. You can be a super strong applicant coming straight out of undergrad. You can have great internships over the summer, internships during the year. You can have a thesis that you wrote. You can be a very well-rounded, strong applicant coming straight through. So I tell people, if you're sure law school is what you wanna do and you don't feel the need to wait, like I didn't wait, Um, I went straight through. So I I certainly get that. Now, people who have worked, obviously, they are bringing a lot to the table and they are, you know, probably going to enjoy law school more because they know what the (laughs) working world is like. And, you know, it doesn't need to be legal related experience. It can, you know, as long as you're doing something productive and something that's sort of adding value to to your own learning and, and education, I think it's great. We don't need anyone to be a paralegal at a law firm before they come to law school. Certainly not. If somebody is, that's great. That probably that experience probably confirmed for them that law school is what they wanted to. And 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 a side note on that, if you are someone who's unsure that law school is for you, that is when I recommend having some law-related experience, because it's much better to find out before you invest that time and money to know that maybe it's not what you want to do. And, and conversely, you could realize that this is really what you're passionate about, and you go to law school, you know, that much more sort of dedicated.
0: Right. Well, that's, that's, uh, that all makes sense, especially the part about if you're not sure, get the experience first. Yes. Do, do law firms seem to have any preference for, for in terms of the hiring or the internships? for people who have work experience before law school?
1: Here's what I'll tell you about that. Okay. When when we are admitting people, if they don't have significant work experience, we are being very careful in the interview to suss out whether they are ready to be put in front of a legal employer. Um, If somebody is 21, 22, we need to make sure in six months or a year from now, do you have the professional skills? Are you ready for this level of employment? So, I think if we do our jobs correctly, employers won't really even necessarily know the difference between someone who's three years out and someone who's coming straight through. Now, look, depending on what the experience pre law school was, maybe that is, you know, we have a lot of military folks, we have people who are, have very high up jobs in the government. So, it is possible that that could influence an employer's decision. But really, when you're getting to the level of legal hiring, they're looking at your first year grades. They're looking really more about what you're doing in law school. Now, again, they will see your resume, so it, it could definitely be valuable to them what you did before. But hopefully if we've done our jobs, even if you've come straight through, you are by no means at a disadvantage in the hiring process.
0: Okay. Do you like to see whether it's internships, summer jobs, part-time jobs, or full-time jobs You know, post-college, some experience that is closely related to law, like working in a law office or a legal clinic or perhaps working in government or you know, something like that.
1: As I mentioned before, it could be nice to see because you get the sense that someone knows what they're getting into. You get the sense that this is a considered decision and they're not just applying to law school because they don't know what else to do. Right. Somebody has been a paralegal at White and Case for two years <laughs> and are applying to law school, I think they know what a lawyer does and they're interested. If somebody has never had any sort of professional level job, you know, again, maybe those skills won't be there or maybe they just are kind of flailing and don't know what to do next. I will say, sometimes I get asked, well, should I leave this thing on my resume? This was, you know, I had to work through school or I had to work to support my family during the summers. I say, absolutely leave that on. I like to see, people who have had to put themselves through school shows character. It shows grit, shows determination. Um, I personally was a waitress in college, uh, a waitress at Bennigan's, which I don't think exists anymore, but I, you know, had to support myself and I love to see, you know, not everybody can afford to take these unpaid internships on the Hill. Right. Mm -hmm. And we want those people who can't afford to do that and who maybe had to work a service job over the summer, or work as, a, as an RA, for example, during, during college. And maybe those paying jobs prevented them from getting some fancy internship. Well, it doesn't matter. I, I see that as life experience and work experience that will serve that person in law school and in their legal career.
0: Right. right. Fantastic answer. Let's move on to the application itself. Now, the UVA website advises regarding the personal statement that's part of the application, and I'm quoting now, your personal statement should provide information in your own words you believe relevant to the admissions decision, not elicited elsewhere in the application, The statement is your opportunity to tell us about yourself and may address your intellectual interests, significant accomplishments or obstacles overcome, personal or professional goals, educational achievements, or any way in which your perspective or experiences will add to the richness of the educational environment at the law school. Now, that sounds a lot broader to me than why law. Am I correct?
1: Yes. So I'll touch on one point first. We, we definitely encourage people to write about things that we wouldn't otherwise know from reading their file, right? So one of the biggest mistakes I see is someone just regurgitating, rehashing their resume. Well, if I'm reading your personal statement, I already read your resume. So I don't need to hear that you went to Duke and then you got an internship on the Hill and then you did this and then you did that. Like, Use this time to tell me something I don't already know. Use this time and space to show off your writing skills. Writing is hugely, hugely important for law school that your skills need to be at a certain point before we can admit you. And yes, it is broader than just why law, but why law, even if it's not explicitly in there, I should have a great sense after I read the personal statement why you're going to law school. Sometimes we get these amazing, like creative writing type essays that are very well written, but I have no idea from that or from anything else in the file why this person is going to law school and unfortunately i can't spend the time to interview that person and find out the interview is not sort of an investigation it's a further you know understanding of what i already see and like so don't assume that you can just explain yourself away in an interview first of all not every school even interviews but we won't even get you to that point if you haven't done a good job of demonstrating why law school makes sense for you at this stage of your life, and again, the the essay does not need to read "I want to go to law school because," but through what you're ex- explaining to us and the stories that you're telling, we should have a good idea.
0: Sounds great. Okay, and that, that was a fantastic answer. And I, by the way, one of I like your, I like the question because it 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 on one hand gives direction. Don't tell me what I already know, mm-hmm. and also gives gives latitude. So you are more likely to elicit something new and and at the same time, interesting about your applicants. And now for a word from Admissions Straight Talk sponsor. Attention all prospective graduate students. Now you can use one platform to apply to dozens of schools at once with Interfolio. Organize your CVs, resumes, and letters of recommendation, and easily submit all from one site. Sign up at Interfolio.com backslash accepted with the code ACCEPTED22 for 10% off. Again, that's Interfolio.com backslash accepted. And now back to the show. And what about Addenda, which UVA also provides a lot of latitude for?
1: Yeah, Addenda are tricky. So there's a few different types. One is a diversity essay. Uh, these are fairly common. Um, if you're somebody who has not already sort of talked about your diversity in your personal statement, we always welcome you to tell us more about what makes you diverse, how you would contribute to a law school environment, your different view on the world, you know, h- how you have gotten to this point, anything. We encourage people to interpret diversity how they want with, within reason and with being respectful to what diversity is and, and why it's important. People can also talk about their diversity in the personal statement and kind of get that done all in once, but it's not necessary. The second is a quote-unquote UVA" essay. We get these from time to time. They're not required, but some people do like to spend an essay telling us why they want to come to UVA specifically. I like to read these. It helps me understand somebody's interest. They are by no means necessary, I do think if there's nothing in your application that indicates to me that VA is of interest to you, it might be worth explaining why, because I otherwise might not know. And then the, the other agenda are sort of more practical agenda. You know, if you're addressing an LSAT history, if you're addressing a GPA that you think is not reflective of your capabilities, and of course... We have the mandatory addenda if you have any character and fitness issues in your file. Character and fitness issues I won't get into, that could be a whole separate podcast, but definitely just make sure that you are fully disclosing everything that we ask about in a straightforward way, taking responsibility, don't need to go on and on, but definitely disclose. LSAT and GPA, I, I tell people to be careful with these. If you've taken the LSAT five times, and your scores are all over the place, don't send an addenda saying, I have severe test anxiety. <laughs> I don't know what you think you're going to be doing in law school, but it's it's taken a lot of exams. So so telling me you have severe test anxiety it, it does not give me a lot of confidence. The same way that taking LSAT 10 times to get the score that you want also doesn't give me confidence. You don't get to take your constitutional law exam 10 times. You get to take it once. And you know if you get called on in class, you don't get to redo your answer 10 times. So So just be careful with what you're explaining and what you're telling us in these addenda. Um, Same thing with GPA. I see a lot of people saying they went through this trauma, they went through that trauma, they uh, were sick, they, whatever it is, they switched majors. It's okay if there were some extenuating circumstances that make your GPA not reflective of your abilities, but just be careful about making too many excuses. I would much rather see somebody own up, uh, like just own, what happened and take responsibility. And, and furthermore, don't spend so much time on your weaknesses. You should be sh- highlighting your strengths in the application very quickly, acknowledging anything that you think deserves to be acknowledged and then putting it in the rear view. We, we don't need to hear the whole saga. You know, I I also went through, you know, remember that real people are reading your application. I went through things in college too, but I, you know, still had a certain GPA and I certainly didn't make excuses for anything. So just be careful, just be careful. Again, anything that would not be otherwise obvious from the application that really was extenuating, definitely take the moment to explain it, but but just don't go too far.
0: I, I like to talk about putting context around yes, context uh, that's as, a, a as opposed to, to ex- explaining
1: yes that's right I think that's right uh,
0: and and um, not only context but uh, well, this would be part of context context is what happened what caused the drop in grades or whatever it is and then the rebound the evidence that it really was just that's right. that
1: that's right that's right you can't say that you know you're you were sick in your first semester but then you're you know, junior year, your grades are still bad. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. That and again, like, we're not trying to punish anybody for any sort of academic history, but you need to, pro- your job with the application is to provide us with enough information that tells us if we bring this person to UVA law, they will do the work and they won't struggle. We don't want to bring anybody here, no matter how much we like their writing, or, you know, their resume, we cannot bring anyone here that we don't think is going to thrive and succeed and be able to keep up with the work. So if all we have is your GPA, and and a bunch of excuses, you know, we think this is going to also be what your law school transcript looks like.
0: Right, right. Okay. I think we've beat the GPA and the LSAT, or the test score, whatever it may be. So let's say I have the GPA and I have the LSAT. But you have more people than you can admit with competitive GPA and LSAT. So, what happens then?
1: Definitely. Uh, we have thousands of applications with, with scores that we like and GPAs we like that we can't admit. So, what, what is going to set someone apart? For me, the writing really gets me. A strong writer who, who really writes about something memorable, uh, something that's just a little bit, you know, it doesn't need to be, again, one of these creative writing things or, or something so shocking. They but don't
0: have to climb Mount Everest.
1: That's right. They don't have to climb okay. Mount Everest. They don't have to, you know, try to stand out necessarily, but people do stand out with, with, with their writing skills and with their, with telling us who they are and, and making us want to know them more in, in an interview. Somebody who just, you know, has a professional resume, like that goes a long way. It, it really does something that's easy to follow and, you know, these days I see a lot of colors. I see photos. I see, um, icons. I just encourage everybody like do a standard resume really. And then letters of recommendation, especially lately, letters of recommendation have been really blowing me away. If you can find two, three great people to really, um, write detailed, letters for you because they they actually know you and, 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 and know who you are and they haven't just kind of read your resume, those can really make a difference. And then it's just sort of this overall, um, we also at UVA, in the actual application itself, we ask for people's activities, their hobbies, their interests. This might seem like a throwaway sort of question in the app, but it's really not. And that's because UVA, as I said at the start of the show, we really care about our community and how well-rounded people are. And we don't, this is not a school for someone to come go to the library, study by themselves, get a job and leave. It is really uh, an experience. And so we like to read about people's community service, what hobbies they have, what interests, what activities they're engaged in. And so in addition to the LSAT and GPA, like all these other factors just paint a picture of a person that, you know, again, we would want to get to know better. In an interview and somebody that we think is
0: going to contribute here. All right, great. Now you've mentioned the interview several times, and the website said, and I still have it, September through December. But you said it was September through March, right? That you that you interview. So interviews just finished because it's now December April one, right? So yeah. just finished for this cycle, and you're already looking for it towards next cycle, right? what role do interviews play in the admissions decision and what can applicants expect during the interview?
1: Yeah. So for us, interviewing is really about getting to know a person a little bit better and seeing what kind of personality someone has. You know, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, people can look great on paper and it does not translate to in-person. And sometimes... Someone really outperforms their file too, I will say. So, so getting to know someone, even just on Zoom, even just for 20 minutes makes an enormous difference. We can tell if they're going to be employable ultimately, if they're going to be a good community member. They, they really, again, the, the application has to get you to a certain point, but the interview, if you are invited to interview at UVA, we, that means we are seriously considering you. We are very, we have a tiny, tiny staff. We do not have time to interview people that we are not hoping to admit. So, you know, one tip that I would give a trend I've seen lately, and I don't know if this is a COVID Zoom, you know, consequence, but see a lot of people reading from paper. They've tried so hard to prepare in advance, or they're reading from a screen, or they're just kind of robotic, they're not having a contemporaneous conversation. And um, it's really unfortunate because those people don't get admitted under any circumstances. So if you're not able to, you know, my interviews are not hard. (laughs) I'm just trying to get to know you better and and understand why you're going to law school. And if you have to read from a piece of paper to answer that question, you know, those types of questions, it's not a good sign. You know, people who are applying to law school are are applying to be trusted advisors and counsel to people in extremely significant life situations and decisions. So if you can't carry a conversation and answer questions, it just does not bode well. So my advice is to work on those skills and you know, treat an interview request from UVA law as your time to sort of shine and 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 to, to sort of seal the deal, if you will. We're not trying to trick you. I'm not going to ask you any math questions. It's really just to gauge your personality. It's a chance for you to ask questions, you know, remember you need to decide which law school is right for you as much as we want to decide who's right for us. So an interview is a really rare and wonderful opportunity to get to talk to somebody who, who works there or who has gone there or both. So, so yes, we, we do interview throughout the whole cycle. We also, if we do turn to the wait list, later in the year, we also will, you know, interview off the wait list as well. So it really technically is a year round year-round thing. Um, we, we we try to get them over with, as you said, mostly by now, but they will pick up slightly in the summer.
0: Okay, all right. Now you mentioned that the interviews are on Zoom. Is that a, a COVID accommodation or is that how it all, well, it couldn't always have been like that, but I mean, are you planning to go back to in-person interviewing? Cause I assume at some point they were in person or were I think-
1: they? I think long ago they were the truth is we ha- are admitting people from all over the country. It's just not practical. I sometimes am doing eight or 10 interviews a day. Oh, I, I don't have it. time to do them in person. We don't have time to, you know, have people coming in and out. So Zoom actually is really, I think, here to stay. Okay. Um, cool. and and we didn't used to always interview everybody. That that is something in the last, like, for example, I was never interviewed.
0: Right, um, very, very, fairly few law schools interviewed. Right.
1: Yeah, right. And, and it, I'm, I'm learning why and it's because it's very time consuming. And when you're short staffed, you know, it, it but it's worth it. It's worth it. It, right. it, it. You know, like I said, even those 20 minutes help us get to know someone better.
0: Okay. All right. Great. Does UVA consider update letters from applicants who have something significant to tell you after they submit their application and before hearing back from you? And what about waitlisted applicants? So you have kind of two categories here. Those who yes. submitted and haven't heard back at all, and those who have heard back at their are waitlisted.
1: Yes. So in both cases, yes. If you're somebody who has submitted your application in September, and now it's January, and you haven't heard from us. First of all, don't worry. Uh, again, I don't know how much I can harp on this. We are very short staffed. I promise we're reading your file. If I didn't have to read every single file, and that's just how I am, I want to read every single file multiple times, we could get you a decision within two weeks, but I don't think you want that. (laughs) I think you want people who are taking the time and attention with the files, um, and every single file goes through me. So, you know, if you haven't heard in a few months, absolutely, send us a note. Just say, hey, I submitted a few months ago, Um, I'm still extremely interested in UVA. I appreciate the time and energy that this process takes. And I'm by no means trying to rush you, but I just wanted you to know I'm here. And by the way, I retook the LSAT in December and I have a new score. You should have seen it in my file already because we do get that automatically. But you know, I just wanted to draw your attention to my new score. Or I applied three months ago. I'm still patiently waiting. Thank you very much. I also I recently got a promotion at work. And um, now my responsibilities are XYZ. So not only am I submitting an updated resume, but you will also be receiving an additional letter of recommendation. All of that is great, fair game, perfect. It, it's more the insignificant updates that, you know, we again, small office, thousands of applicants. You can imagine the emails that we get use your communication with us wisely and efficiently. And then waitlisted, so if you were waitlisted earlier in the cycle, you can absolutely check in with us and say, hey, I'm still interested. I would definitely come to UBA if admitted off the waitlist. How, whatever you wanna say, an update, you've taken the LSAT again, you've gotten a promotion, whatever. After our first deposit deadline of April 28th, we will actually be communicating with our waitlist proactively via a survey. And I tell people, replying to that survey and including all of your information in there is the absolutely best thing you can do. Because when it comes time to go to our wait list, I am working fast, 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 and I'm only going to that survey. I'm not going through searching my inbox. I, just, I, couldn't, I couldn't possibly mm-hmm. do that. So I'm going to the survey, and I'm pulling people right from there. So that is the absolute best way to, to get your, your interest known.
0: It seems to me like the latitude that UVA provides applicants also provides UVA with a lot of insight into their judgment.
1: That is, that's great. I've never heard it put that way, but that is right. And we, those things, those things that are not technically in your application, but the way that you have interacted with my office, oh yes, believe me, that (laughs) does play a role in your decision. I'll just put that out there. Um, Oh, I'm
0: sure. I mean, whether, you know, whether your addenda are, are, are reasonable to the point, or do you send in 10 with excuses up the kazoos? Um, Absolutely. And on the flip
1: side and people who come here and they visit and they're amazing and they're lovely and they're respectful and they are appreciative that helps them. So it can help or hurt you. So I want to remind people that, and the way that you would email me or speak to me should be the exact same way you're speaking to our receptionists. Or gardener. And our students and all that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Great, great point. Um, <laughs> about the the receptionist and the gardener and and yeah, student. That's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. What would you have liked me to ask you?
1: Oh gosh. I don't know. I feel like this was very thorough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't <laughs> Is think of there something anything.
0: you'd like to highlight or or either about the program itself or the admissions process?
1: Yeah. I guess one thing that I will just say because it's how I'm feeling uh, in this moment, and it's coming full circle, I think, to what we spoke about at the beginning. Really, the community at UVA. Now that we are coming out the other side of COVID, we are, don't have masks anymore. We don't have any restrictions. Student life really feels back to what it was. I just can't tell you what uh, how much it has really reinforced in our community what what an, an amazingly special place this is. You know. I just came right before this from you know doing a Q&A session with a whole mix of people, admitted students, waitlisted students, people who haven't gotten a decision yet. And our students met with them, gave them a tour, you know, just seeing everybody kind of engaged and out and about. Again, it, it's, just, it's just an amazing feeling. We were able to have a huge admitted student event a couple of weeks ago, 300, 400 people were here. And I would just say that visiting a school is one of the most important things you can do because I have heard time and time again, the feeling people get when they come here, you know, there there's just no replacement for that. And my very first year in this job was completely remote. We had no visitors, we, no visitors were allowed. We I didn't even really come to the office except to sign things. It was very difficult and not getting to bring people to this beautiful place um, not just Charlottesville itself but our law school grounds was extremely difficult and I just am feeling now in this week how how grateful I am that that we're sort of back to that um, yeah. because it does make a huge difference
0: so in Charlottesville there there are no restrictions currently so very few really
1: I mean very few obviously independent businesses can still you know require right. but Given that we are a public law school, we are no longer able to have a mask mandate or a vaccine mandate. Now, luckily, we everybody basically got vaccinated when it was mandated. And so our entire community is basically vaccinated and boosted. And of course, again, we're a respectful place, a respectful community. If somebody wants to wear a mask or requests you wear a mask, of course we do that, but we're no longer able to mandate it. I would say the vast majority of businesses here have done away with it as well. Again, you might have a small business that has their own idiosyncrasies um and might require masks but those are very few and far between so so right now you know it does feel like we have turned a corner
0: fantastic, fantastic. that's wonderful to hear and it's it's great to hear that the people can visit now first of all i i, I mentioned to you before we we got on i visited Charlottesville one once before i was actually visiting the darden business school it is a gorgeous campus mm-hmm. a beautiful location um, it is so it is It's a great place to visit, is what I want to not not just for the the value, and there's definitely tremendous value in visiting a campus, especially if classes are in session and students are around. But um, it's just a a lovely place to visit, even if you're not it is,
1: And, and we have a lot of programming on Fridays so that people can make a weekend out of it. I love to hear what people's plans are for the weekends when they're in town, um, you know, they're going to the orchard or a winery or a hike, they're going out to the Shenandoah, Montego- going to Monticello. You know, it, it really is a lovely place to visit. It's an even lovelier place to, to live and, and work.
0: Great. All right. Well, Dean Blazer, I think we're almost out of time. I want to thank you so much for joining me and sharing your expertise. This has been a fantastic interview. Where can listeners learn more about the University of Virginia School of Law?
1: So I think the best resource is our good old fashioned website. It's just law.virginia.edu. I really encourage people also to check out our YouTube page. I have heard from applicants that this is really what put UVA on their radar. We have so many classes that have been recorded and they're on there. So you could basically kind of take a take a law school class online, you could observe. Um, we have you can see speeches from our Dean, from others in our, uh, you can take a virtual tour. We have students leading virtual tours. YouTube and our website are both, our communications team, I have to shout out to them, are fantastic. But on our website, I also encourage you to navigate to the admissions page and then there is a visit page on there as well. And you can see all the classes that you can observe here in person. You can see the tour schedule, student life panels. You can see all the options for visiting um, are on our website.
0: Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you again for coming. I also want to thank you, listener, for joining me for this wonderful interview with Dean Blazer. We include links in the show notes at accepted.com slash 468 to the UVA School of Law website, as well as its YouTube channel and other resources that might be helpful to you. Quick reminder, don't miss the law school admissions quiz. Find out if you are really ready to apply and competitive at your target programs. Take the quiz at accepted.com slash law dash quiz today. Again, this is accepted.com slash law dash quiz. This is admission straight talk produced by accepted. And I'm your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week.